we're in Galatians chapter 5. Take your Bibles there, if you will, Galatians chapter 5. And we're going to start reading at verse 16 and read down through the end of the chapter. We've been looking in uh, the subject of the Holy Spirit. And uh, let's see, Wednesday before last, we talked about our prayer partner, the Holy Spirit. And tonight we're looking at the, uh, the uh, fruit of the Spirit and how the Holy Spirit of God uh, works out those fruits in our life. And so we're going to look at that study, the fruit of the Spirit. But in Galatians chapter 5 is where we have the fruit of the Spirit that is listed. Many other places in Scripture you're going to find that individual fruits are referenced, but here uh, specifically it's going to say the fruit of the Spirit, and then it's going to list all of them together. But I want us to see the context in which that is found. Uh, the Apostle Paul's writing to the church of Galatia, and he is talking about the Holy Spirit. Now, they are knowledgeable of the Holy Spirit. That's been a part of the preaching in the book of Acts. Um, uh, the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ was, without, was not without the aid of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit... Um, he made reference to many different times, and in, especially in the book of John, he talked about the comforter, he talked about the aspects of the work of the Holy Spirit, what the Holy Spirit of God was going to do when he was sent. He already has told the disciples, and no doubt the, the Apostle Paul has known this because he was taught three years in Arabia by Jesus himself, that uh, it was necessary, it was expedient that the Lord go so that the Comforter would come. And that's a tremendous statement right there. Jesus, when he was on earth, was in one place at one time, though he knew what was going on at every place at all time. He said, Nathaniel, I saw you under the sycamore tree before you came here. Uh, so Jesus knew all things. But physically, he was in one place, even though he was conscious and aware of all that was going on around the world. But the Holy Spirit of God indwells the believer. And we've looked at what does the Holy Spirit want to do? So many different ministries of the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer. And two weeks ago, we looked at the ministry of being our prayer partner communicating to the Father the heart cry of each believer. Last week, I was with my mother, and so I was listening to Brother Jeremy preach a wonderful message about Judas, and he gave several different aspects about Judas that I had never thought of before. And uh, I'm always amazed when someone gives something, I said, I never thought of that before. That's, that's a good thing. And he did a great job, and I enjoyed that so much. My mother's doing fine. She's 91 in good health, no aches and no pains, and we enjoyed visiting with her. On Monday night, we had our Valentine banquet for the Best Years Club. We had a wonderful time, over 100 with our workers and guests and all that were there. And the food was just amazing. Miss Jan and her, her crew did an amazing job, pulled out her secret recipe, and it was so good. Everybody was raving on that. I'm telling you, there was no banquet in the Portland metro area 
no matter what they paid for that meal that tasted that good. It, it was just that good. And we only charged $15 per person. And I was telling some people, if you took your wife out to eat, you would have tipped more than both of you paid. And, uh, it, but it was a wonderful meal. And then entertainment, very enjoyable. The fellowship was outstanding. Um, we just have the best seniors in the whole wide world. And uh, I'm so thankful our church gets to do that. Every month we have activities and doing things, and this summer we'll make several trips, and we're just uh, looking forward to all that God has for us. Well, if you found chapter 5, could we stand together, and we'll start at verse 16. You can follow along on the screen there. And the Apostle Paul writes, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one, the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. Now it's interesting, it says the uh, flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. That word uh, lust there is not the bad, it's not a bad connotation. The the biblical word lust literally means strong desire, strong desire. So the context is going to let us know whether it's a bad strong desire or a good strong desire. The Bible also says the Spirit of God lusteth to envy uh, and, and wanting to control us. It, and what that means, he, he, he has such a strong desire, it's almost envy, but it's not. And so that's what he means by that. The Holy Spirit of God doesn't, isn't satisfied just to indwell us as believers. His mission is to control us and to form us into the image of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. So we need to yield to him on a regular basis. When we're not yielding to him, we're quenching him. And so it's not a, it's not a passive ministry the Holy Spirit has in our life. It's a very active, it's a very strong desire he has for us. But it also tells us in verse 17, the conflict that we have within us. Now I know sometimes as a Christian, you can think, well, the devil's after me. Well, it's probably like in the book of Acts when the gentleman tried to cast out the demons and he said, Jesus, I know, and Paul, I know, but who are you? Well, probably the devil doesn't know your address. He is not omnipresent. And uh, he's just one place at one time. But what he does have to count on is all of us have a depraved nature. And we don't blame the devil on that. We could blame Adam and Eve, I guess, because they gave us that nature. They sinned, and so death and sin passed on all who were born. But the 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 idea is, the actual truth is that we yield. Our flesh has a strong pull. Paul said it this way, I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. Can I remind everyone that he said that after he was saved? After he was saved. I want you to understand, as long as you're in flesh, you're going to have conflict. And, if you, and I know we as Christians, we want to chase that dream of no conflict. 
Oh, wouldn't it be nice if I didn't have to wrestle against the flesh? Oh, yeah, that'd be great. Hey, that's called heaven. And there's no sin there. But we are going to wrestle with those things all of our lives. It's an interesting statement. Before the flood, God said, I'm going to bring all this. I'm going to, take, I'm going to get rid of it. Why? Because every imagination of man is sinful from his birth. And so the flood came. And Noah and his family were saved. But guess what he said after the flood, when there's just very few left people left? He said, I will not destroy the earth anymore by a flood, though every desire, every sinful thought of man, every thought of man is sinful from his birth. So it, that happened before the flood, that happened after the flood. Why? We're clothed in flesh, there's a pool. But greater is he that is in us than he is in the world. You don't have to worry about uh, pulls stronger than Jesus. There is no such thing. But we will wrestle with the flesh. Now in verse 18, But if ye are led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies. I wish I had time to describe all those, but I don't. And then in verse uh, 21, envians, murder, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. Now that such like means all the rest of the stuff. He just gave us, these, these are things, and then everything like that is included as work of the flesh. And then he says, Of which I tell you before, as I have told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Now what's that mean? That means when we've trusted Christ as our Savior, we have been cleansed forever. By the way, that's the same thing it means in 1 John where it says, uh, if, if we have Christ, if, if we are a believer, uh, we do not sin. And you say, well, maybe I'm not a believer because I'm, I'm still sinning. I'm still wrestling with that. But what he means by that is when you trusted Christ as your Savior, all of your sin was paid for on Calvary. So that when God the Father sees you, you have no sin so you need to understand how God sees us versus how we see us. And one of the ways the devil would try to attack us if he knew us personally would be trying to get us to think how we think about ourselves rather than how God thinks about us. We think we're not worth much. God thinks we're worth sending his son. There's a great difference there. There's a big gap there on how we think about ourselves and how God thinks about us and he loves us and you need to realize your identity in Christ. Now the Bible says in verse 22, but in contrast to the fruits of the flesh, let's look at the fruits of the spirit, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. 
If ye live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another, envying one another. Let's have a word of prayer and you may be seated. Father, thank you for this time we've had and this time we're going to have in your word. And Holy Spirit, you're our guest as well as our subject. You dwell within us, dear Father, and we're conscious of your presence. But we're also conscious of your presence as we've assembled together. And as we look to the Word of God, we know you are the author and you are the one who drives it home to our heart. And we ask that you would do that, dear Father. Whatever concerns we would have, whatever burdens we carry with us, Holy Spirit, would you minister to each and every person in this auditorium who listens to the Word of God and to those who are online, dear Father, who are watching. I thank you so much for them. And Lord, they're a part of our church and we're grateful for them. So Holy Spirit, work in their heart as well and help us all, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. And you may be seated. So having given the fruits of the Spirit, in verse 25, it says, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. So the goal is not just to know that we have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. We want the leadership of the Holy Spirit. To walk in the Spirit means to walk in His ways. In other words, to let Him have the control of our life. As a believer, everywhere I go, the Holy Spirit of God goes. But as a believer who's full of the Spirit or yielded to the Spirit, it means everywhere the Spirit goes, I go. So the great key of the Christian life is not having the Spirit follow you through your life, but to you follow Him through your life and know that His will should be your will. You yielding your will to the Holy Spirit of God who indwells you. What the manifestation of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer is that the fruit of the Spirit is borne out. Now keep in mind, this is not the fruit of a Christian. Not the fruit of a Christian. So you don't take those things and say, boy, I'm going to work on love, or I'm going to work on temperance, or I'm going to work on this. No, you yield to the Holy Spirit of God, and He brings forth His fruit in your life. Say, man, how could I be more loving? I wasn't raised up in a loving home. How could I be more loving? Yield to the Holy Spirit. He is love. God is love. You don't have to be raised up in a loving home. You have to yield to the Holy Spirit of God. Man, I wish I had patience. I am so impatient. I try and I try, but I'm just so impatient. How could I ever be patient? Well, yield to the Holy Spirit. The only other way is tribulation worketh patience. I don't care for that one. But yield to the Holy Spirit of God and you'll get patience without the tribulation. So just yield to the Holy Spirit of God. So what we're looking at tonight is the ministry of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer and the fruit that he brings forth. And it's such an amazing, amazing thing to study. The Christian is one who possesses two natures. Now, I dealt with that a little bit in verse 17. We have the flesh and we have the spirit, and that's two natures. And the flesh is called in Scripture the old man, and the spirit is called the new man. 
We are not a a believer with one spirit. When we got saved, the old man didn't die and the new man got born. No, the new man came in to reside in us and now that's the conflict. And we have to yield to one or the other. And we will yield to one or the other. And if we yield to the spirit, we shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. You yield to the uh, flesh and you will not bring forth the fruit of the spirit. So you've got to decide who is your boss? Who is your Lord? Well, as a Christian, we know in our head, well, God's our Lord. That's right. But we have to practically make that decision every single day and every single decision and every single action of our life. We have to yield to the Holy Spirit of God. And here's the key. You do the yielding and he does the conquering. Doesn't that make it so much nicer? All you do is you yield to the Holy Spirit and he fights your battle. Isn't that what God told the Israelites in the Old Testament? He said, listen, you you just be patient because I'm going to fight your battles. The battle is the Lord's. The battle's not yours. We wrestle against Uh, not flesh and blood, powers and principalities, but guess who's stronger than all that? The Holy Spirit of God. God lives inside of us. You yield and let him fight your battles. The old man is depraved, wicked, sinful. It describes it all in verses uh, 17 all the way down to uh, verse 21. (coughs) The Bible says, In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22, that you put off concerning the former conversation, the old man. That conversation is not talking about your words, your talk. Uh, Conversation in Old English means your lifestyle, your manner of living. So you put off that old lifestyle, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust. Colossians chapter 3 And verse 9 tells us, Lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds. Don't lie to each other. Now it's interesting because it's it's talking to Christians about talking to Christians. And he's saying, hey Christian, when you talk with other Christians, don't lie. Don't lie. How are you doing? Uh, Oh, wonderful, just wonderful. And and you're limping away. Well, you, you don't have to lie to each other. You don't have to make things up, but you also don't have to tell them all your troubles, okay? You just say, well, I'm going through some challenges, but praise God, uh, the victory is secure. (laughs) So give the credit to the Lord and and just don't tell them all that you're doing, uh, all the troubles you got. And then we have the new man. So these two natures, we have that old man, but we also have that new man. And the Bible says... He's renewed by the Holy Spirit after God and desires to please the Lord. Now, that's one thing if you are a believer. That's one thing that every believer has in common. Whether you consider yourself a good Christian, a decent Christian, or a very poor Christian. No matter how you consider yourself, if you have trusted Christ as your Savior... There is in your heart a strong desire to please the Lord. Even if you think you fail miserably every day, 
there is that strong desire in your heart to please the Lord. And that, that's with you. And that's one of the reasons, that's one of the ways you know that you're a believer. Because you have that strong desire. Now, you could say, man, I got it in here. But if you judge me by my actions, I'm, I, I probably wouldn't look saved sometimes. Well, that's probably true of all of us. But the idea is that inside all of us, there's that strong desire to let the Spirit of God have control and to be pleasing to the Lord. Uh, the Bible tells us that we will put on the new man and we look to the Holy Spirit of God to do that. He, that's his job and that's what he does in our lives. The second thing I want to say is the indwelling Holy Spirit goes to work in the life of a believer as soon as he indwells the believer. So when you trust Christ as your Savior, that very moment, the Holy Spirit of God starts going to work. Now, he goes to work before you even know the Scripture. How can that be? Well, because he knows the Scripture, right? He's the author, so he can go to work in your life before you're even aware of what a Christian ought to do. And he'll start speaking to you before you ever hear a sermon, don't do this, don't do that, you should do this, you shouldn't do that. And, and by the way, life is more than do's and don'ts. Life is a relationship. But if you'll yield to the Holy Spirit, he will work in us and, and clean us because I, I always like to tell people he'll clean your life if you'll look to him because remember, his first name is holy. So if you yield to the Holy Spirit, you're going to be around him. Two, can two walk together except they be agreed? You yield and you, you start asking the Holy Spirit to work in your life. His first name's holy. So guess what he's going to bring in your life? He's going to start bringing holiness in your life and you're going to find he cleans you up pretty well. Uh, when I started Grandview Baptist Church, uh, not many people that we started with that first day, we had 75 that first day, and not many people had a church background. Or if they'd had a church background, for the last 10 years, hardly any of them had been in church. So I started with a group of people who, one, didn't know Christ as their Savior. Uh, probably about a dozen of them uh, in the next few weeks gave their life to Christ. But I also started with a lot of other Christians who... Um, had a church background, but they would call themselves backslidden Christians because they were out of fellowship, hadn't been reading their Bible, they weren't, they weren't following, living in life. I mean, I'd, I'd go visit them and, you know, here, here's a preacher just coming from Arkansas where it's a dry county. And then I go visit people who's been coming to my church and, and they have a tavern in their home. I mean, they got a bar with all sorts of stuff. And it's all I could do just to look very calm and like, I've seen all this. I know all this. You know, that's, uh, I'm going, whew, I kept, you know, in my spirit, I went, whoa. It's It's crazy. Can you imagine what a shock it was for this believer from the Bible Belt to go to a grocery store and just 
minding my own business and pushing my cart, and I look out, and I'm, I'm, I'm in the wine aisle on this side, on that side. I thought, whoa, what am I? Where am I? Well, but let me tell you what I did. I taught them to get into the Word. I preached the Word, and I taught them to yield to the Holy Spirit of God. And let me tell you what happened. God just did a work in their lives. God cleaned their hearts. God, God made them such wonderful people. Uh, we had, in our teen group, we had 12 students go off to Bible college at the same time. Uh, they went to Hiles Anderson, where many of our staff have. And, and they get there and they call me back and say, Pastor, you can't believe the rules they have here. They want you to sign up, sign out every time you leave the building. I've never done that. I've never even told my mother where I was going. And now they want me to do all these things. And, and I got so many demerits and I don't even know how I'm, how I'm getting them and what they are. I don't even know what that means. I said, listen, that's just Bible college. They just have rules, dumb rules. But they got to have dumb rules because they're watching kids and those kids are away from home. And they, if they mess up, they got to explain it to their parents. So they'd rather have a whole bunch of dumb rules so that you don't mess up. Oh, well, I'm not going to mess up. Well, I know you're not. But just be okay with them. Don't try to understand them. They're just there for, it's like boot camp. If you make it through Bible college, you can make it through anywhere. It's just crazy stuff, and it's just boot camp. You know, when you get out of boot camp, they don't say, drop and give me 50 every other day. Uh, That's just what you do for a little time, and then you're good to go. But here's the thing. I would go visit, and all the professors would say, Pastor, your kids are special. Your kids are special. I said, what do you mean? They're breaking all the rules? No, they have a heart for God. And I said, well, yeah, of course. They said, no, I mean it. They, they have a heart for God. Well, yeah, I know that. that. That's my job as a pastor is help them have a heart for God. So, yeah, I know that. But they were bragging on those kids. Let me just say, you get into the Word of God, you listen to preaching that's biblical, and you yield to the Holy Spirit, and you're going to see the Lord do great things in your life. He's going to transform your life. So rather than fight to quit this one and quit that and quit this and, and get all these sins, man, if I just got victory over those, let me tell you, for every one you get victory over, there's a hundred others you're going to have problems with. So don't worry about that. Yield to the Holy Spirit. Let Him clean you up. Let Him take that desire out of your life. Let Him do that work. And you'll be amazed the victory that you'll have in your life. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And let me tell you, that's not a work of the flesh, that's a work of the Spirit. So the Holy Spirit of God starts working in our life. 
I, I, I used to love the songs that teens would sing many, many years ago. They might sing them now. But they would say, the things I used to do, I don't do them anymore. The things I used to do, I don't do them anymore. The things I used to do, I don't do them anymore. There's been a great change since I've been born again. Oh, I just love that. And then the girls would say, the guys I used to date, I don't date them. <laughs> and then the guys would sing, the girls I used to date, I don't date. Uh, it was just a lot of fun. But I'm telling you, it's a fun thing when you yield to the Spirit and you see the Holy Spirit doing a work in your life. It's not laborious. It's not a task. It's not a, uh, you know, oh, this is so tough, this Christian life. No, it's not. It's very basic. Just yield to the Holy Spirit. Let Him do the work in your life. You're going to be fine. And know this, before you ever change a bit, God still loves you. And he never loves you more because you become more like him. That's just following his plan for your life. Yield to the Holy Spirit and let him work in your life. The third thing I want to say is the Holy Spirit works to replace the counterfeit fruit produced by man with the genuine fruit that comes from God. So you have the world's love... The world's love is more like lust, but then you have God's love that's more like agape. It's self-sacrificing love. It's loving the person more than you love yourself. And ladies, that's, that's who you want for a husband. And fellas, that's who you want for a wife. Someone who loves more than they love them own, their own selves. They, they love the object of their love, the person that they love. The world's love versus God's love. The world's joy versus God's joy. The Bible says, your joy no man taketh from you. The world's joy is based on circumstances. How was your day? Oh, man, I got a raise. It was wonderful. The boss gave me a bonus as well. It's a wonderful day. Uh, and then you say, well, how was your day? Well, I was laid off, and, uh, you know, I'm not sure where I'm going to work next week, but I had a great day because God was with me all day long. You see, it's not a joy based on circumstance. It's a joy that comes right from God. And the Holy Spirit is the agent for that. He does that work. The world's peace versus God's peace. And on and on we could go. Now, the fourth thing I want to state, and then I'm going to go through the different fruits. The fourth thing is this characteristic fruit of the Holy Spirit is a sign and signet of two things. Two things. The first one is the Spirit's indwelling. If you have the fruit of the Holy Spirit working in your life, that is a sign and a signet and a seal that the Holy Spirit of God is working in your life. And praise God for that. And every believer has seen that. You've loved at times when you didn't feel loving. You had joy at times when you had heartache. 
You had peace at times when you had no answers. See, you've seen that fruit of the Holy Spirit in your life with no explanation of how you got it. Where'd that come from? If I look at my circumstances, I shouldn't have any of these things. But the Holy Spirit has those things. And so the very fact that the Holy Spirit is bringing forth this fruit in your life is a sign and a signet and a seal that you are His and He lives inside of you because He bears that fruit. I said it's a sign of two things. The first is the Holy Spirit lives in you. The second thing is the degree of the individual Christian yielding to the Holy Spirit. So, here's, let me tell you what I mean by that. So, if you show joy, that means the Holy Spirit's living in you. If you show a little joy versus a lot of joy, if you show a, lot, a little joy, it's because you're not yielding to the Holy Spirit like you should. If you're a very joyous person, it's because you're yielding to the Holy Spirit in an amazing way. I've been fortunate enough to pastor a lot of different people over the years, and uh, I always think of uh, Art and Arlene Hauser, who've been in heaven now for a while. Some of you might know them from way back, but uh, Brother Hauser lived to be in 90, mid-90s, I guess, because they'd been married over 70 years before, uh, before Arlene passed away, and then later Art passed away. But every time you get Art talking about the Lord, he'd get so excited. I'd say, uh, how you doing, Art? Oh, the Lord is so good, Pastor. Oh, he's just, oh, it's wonderful. Art, Arlene and I were studying the Bible this morning. Oh, he was so precious. We had such a good time. It was so wonderful. Oh, he just talked like that all the time. You get him talking about God, he got excited. I've told our people, and I, I tell other churches, Vicki and I have done some marriage uh, conferences, I guess five or six or more in the last few years, and uh, I don't know, I guess after 45 years, I get asked, you know, but I don't know. But I told uh, about the time that Art and Arlene asked us for lunch, and so we sat down to lunch, and I'm ready to pray and eat. And before we do, he goes around the table, Pastor, what did you get from the Word of God today? And I'm thinking, I'm so glad I remembered where I read this morning. So I, I share with him, and Vicki remembered where she read, so she got a share. We went around that. And then he said, uh, Pastor, and, and we have, uh, you know, the food's right there. But he says, Pastor, uh, you and Miss Vicki pray together, don't you? And I said, well, uh, well, yeah, I pray. She, I mean, I pray, I, I, I pray, and then I know she's praying. So, yeah, we, we pray every day. You pray every day together. You, you, mean, you mean like I pray and then she prays? Yeah, you pray every day together, don't you, Pastor? I said, no, no, we don't do that. He said, oh, no, 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 Pastor, that won't do. That, no. No, Pastor, you you gotta you gotta pray every day together. He said, uh, Arlene and I, and at that time they'd been married fifty-one years. We've been married fifty-one years. Every night we kneel beside our bed and 
she prays and then I pray and we hold hands together while we kneel and, and she prays and I pray. Pastor, you, you, you got to pray together. Promise me you'll pray together. Pastor, promise me. I, I said, well, you know, I'm getting hungry. Okay, I promise you. We'll pray together. And so that night, I tell Miss Vicky, I am not kneeling. Uh, you know, uh, we'll lay down in bed. Here's my hand. We'll hold hands. You pray and I pray. You pray and I pray. You know, we've been doing that every night for over 20 years now. Every night for over 20 years. And if there's one wonderful secret of having a good marriage, it's praying together. Almost no Christian couples do it. And everywhere I go to a marriage conference, they want to know how to figure out her, how to figure out him. Oh, give up on that. You, that ain't going nowhere. I'm never going to understand her. She's never going to understand me, no matter how long we've been married. We're different. We think different. We act different. But here's what helps. When I hold hands and she prays, I hear her heart for God and people. And when I pray, she hears my heart for God and people. And I think, that's a wonderful woman. And she thinks, he's a decent man. She should think wonderful, but, you know, I haven't arrived yet. The Lord's still working on me. And so that has helped our marriage more than anything. More than anything. Because when, if you've been married long enough, you'll have times where you just don't see eye to eye. You just, you just don't. You just don't see eye to eye. You might not talk about it, but you just don't. But if there's anyone that can get you on the same plane, it's the Lord. And so if you pray together, so I always challenge our people, and then I ask them, I have pastors, and and I know this, they've never done that before. And they'll tell me, Pastor, I've never done, we've been doing that every night since you told us that. Oh, what a powerful thing. And it's not how powerful you pray, because sometimes... Miss Vicky, she prays for everyone under the sun, and she doesn't leave me much to pray for. So I pray for our kids, and then I pray, Lord, give us a good night rest. Amen. And it's not a long thing. But that knits hearts together, prayer. So the Holy Spirit of God does that. Now, the more yielded we are, the more fruit is manifested. Now, very quickly... Let me go over the fruits here. I've got six minutes. First of all, love. The first fruit of the Spirit is love. God is love, but it wasn't enough that God knew His nature. He wanted us to know His nature. See, God is love, but He wants His nature in our nature. So He wants to bring His love into our lives. And so that's why the fruit of the Spirit is love. It's not because God looks down and says, well, I think they're lovable. I think they could be loving. No, no, it's not that. It's that God is love and he lives in us and he is not content for us to just know his nature. He wants us to live his nature. He wants his nature to become our nature. He wants our lives to reflect 
his nature. Now, those of you who are parents who have children, you know this, that the reason you want your children to do well is, first of all, you want them to do well. But secondly, they're a reflection for you and your wife and you or your husband. And your children are a reflection of, and, and so when they succeed, you think, whoa, I must have done something. Uh, but God has that same desire to see his children have his nature. Remember years ago, those my age when you were growing up, your, your parents would say, remember, you're a mutchler or you're a smith or you're, and they'd mention your last name. Wherever you go, be mindful of the fact that's who you are. You don't live like everybody else. You live like we live. And so we, we want it, our parents' nature, and God wants his nature in us, and that's love. Uh, and so his nature, it isn't enough to, for love to be possessed, it must be projected. So don't be one of these Christians that say, oh, I, just, I, I, do, I do really love people. Well, it's not enough to love, you've got to project that love. Do they feel love? That's the key. Are you making others feel loved? So it's not enough, oh, I got such love in my heart. Well, get it out of your heart and and show it and serve others and be a blessing. Let others see the love you possess. So it's not enough for it to be possessed. It needs to be projected, project that love. 1 John 3, 5, uh, 16. Hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the... What's that word? Brethren. You mean we're supposed to love each other enough that we would lay down our lives for each other? Well, that's what Scripture says. Well, how's that going to happen? Let me just give you a clue. It's not going to happen based on the love I have. But it's going to happen because of the love that the Holy Spirit in me has for you. I hope you understand we do not love each other because we are so lovable. And we do not love each other because we are so loving. We love each other because God is lovable and God is loving. It's his nature to love. And that's why we love. You've been in church long enough, you find some Christians are cantankerous. But I got to love them anyway. Some of them are hard to love. But the Holy Spirit still loves them, so I got to love them. And I'm not going to be able to unless I yield to the Spirit because He'll love them where I'd walk off, I'd just walk away. Okay. So the Holy Spirit brings that love. 1 John 4, 9. And this was manifested or showed the love of God toward us because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. So Christ laid down His life and God sent His Son. He showed his love. God uh, commendeth or manifested his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And then the second is joy. 
Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10. Then he said unto them, Go your way, eat the fat, and drink the sweet, and send portions unto them, for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy unto our Lord. Neither be ye sorry, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord. Don't be miserable, Christians. Be happy, Christians. Be joyful, Christians. And if you are a joyful Christian, it's a sign that you've yielded to the Holy Spirit. It's not that you are just one of those joyful people. It's that you've yielded to the Holy Spirit. He's joyful. And he'll bring that joy. It's his fruit. You'll start bearing joy all over your life. The Bible tells us in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 8, Whom having not seen, ye love, and whom though now ye see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy, unspeakable and full of glory. In other words, we're, we don't get, we're, we're not even looking at God. We can't see God. And yet, we have joy, unspeakable and full of glory. Where'd that come from? The Holy Spirit lives in us. It's his fruit. It's his fruit. Romans chapter 14, verse 17, For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. There it is. That's where that joy comes from, the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit of God. Joy is not manufactured. It comes from the Holy Spirit. When he took up residence in your life, he brought all these fruits with him. And the very day you got saved, he started planting them. And it's his little garden, love, joy, peace, all of those things. Peace, Romans chapter 14, verse 19. Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace and things wherewith one may edify another. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 3. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bonds of peace. Now listen, we are either a peacemaker or a provoker. Peacemaker or a provoker. I used to teach in staff devotions a lot, and, and one of the things I always tried to touch on every year is this. We do not speak our mind, we speak his mind. We do not speak our mind. We speak his mind. Because we belong to him. Now I know you're in the flesh and there's been times, let me give you a piece of my mind. But see, we can't do that. Because our minds don't belong to us anymore. We've been bought with a price. We've got to speak his mind. And it doesn't mean you're not going to think your mind. But don't speak your mind. Speak his mind. Love, joy, and the Holy Ghost. Peace, unity of the Spirit, and then long-suffering, James 5, 10. Take my brethren, the prophets who have spoken in the name of the Lord for an example of suffering, affliction, and of patience. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 2. With all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love. Long-suffering. Interesting. What do you put right behind that? Forbearing one another. Now, let me just give that a modern translation. Put up with each other. Because we're brothers in Christ. We're in the same family. 
We're in the same family. You're brothers and sisters in Christ. So we put up with each other. There's going to be things that rub you the wrong way. There's going to be things that irritate you. But don't let it. That's your brother. That's your sister. We're part of a family. Gentleness. 2 Timothy 2, 24. And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach patience. Be gentle unto all men. I think a, I think a Christian, above all things, one of the things I, I personally, I think we ought to be kind to everyone. Kind to everyone. Uh, they, they may not be a believer. They may... They may think the devil's their best friend, but I still, I'm going to be kind to them. Not because of who they are, but because of who Christ is and he lives in me. And that's the key. He lives in me. Goodness. Ephesians 5, 9. For the fruit of the Spirit is all goodness and righteousness and truth. Faith. Uh, Romans 1.17, For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith that is written, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. We ought to be faith, we ought to be full of faith Christians, not skeptics when it comes to the things of God. Full of faith, meekness, Titus 3.2, To speak evil of no man, to be no brawlers, but gentle, showing all meekness unto all men. Meek. Uh, meekness is not um, false humility. It's just knowing who you are in Christ and who you should be toward your fellow uh, Christians and others. James three thirteen. Who is a wise man and endured with, endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. And then temperance, the last thing, against there, such there is no law. Philippians 4, 5, let your moderation, and that's what the word temperance means, moderation. Let your moderation be known unto all men, the Lord is at hand. The fruit of the Spirit is what the Holy Spirit of God bears in the life of a believer. Don't frustrate yourself and say, I'm going to try to clean myself up. I'm, try, I'm going to work on this. I'm going to work on this. Let me just boil it down to one simple thing. Just yield every day to the Holy Spirit, many times a day. Yield to the Holy Spirit, and you'll be amazed. He'll clean you up. He'll take care of those things that bother you. He'll work that out. And he may not do it on your timetable, but he'll do it on his. And let me tell you, every day he's still working on you. He loves you like no one else's business. And you never have to doubt that. You are the beloved of God. And the Holy Spirit of God will fight your battles. And he will clean your life. And he will guide you. And he will lead you. And he will help you. And all of a sudden you'll have a lot of joy. You'll have a lot of peace. You'll start loving on people. You'll be patient with people you normally wouldn't have time for. Because all of that is the fruit of the Holy Spirit working in the life of a believer. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. And let the Holy Spirit of God speak to your heart. I hope 
that the lesson tonight helps some people who are struggling to change things in your life and you're upset about your walk with the Lord because you haven't been successful or you're, you're, you're thinking, I'm, I'm just not patient, I'm not loving, I'm not this, I'm not that. But as I say, the Holy Spirit of God is all of that. And would you just right now say, Holy Spirit, I'm just going to start yielding to you. Because I can't make up this fruit. I, I can't grow it. I can't manifest it. But you will manifest it in me if I let you. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit, we're so grateful for your work in our life. I know so many times we've grieved you, dear Father, and we've not done and not yielded as we should, and yet you so patiently love us, and you never give up on us, and you keep working in our lives because you know that deep down we want to yield to you. We really do. We want to be the Christian in our own minds we'd like to be. But Holy Spirit, help us simply to yield to you and do a work that only you can do and help us to thank you for whatever victories you bring into our life because it's all you're doing, Lord. And we'll praise you for that in Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand to our feet. Uh, The piano's playing, thank you. And just uh, with heads bowed, just talk to the Lord and ask him to do a work in your life and tell him you're going to yield yourself to him on a regular basis. And you couples start holding hands and praying at night too. That'll help you. Well, God bless you. I would keep the invitation longer, but somebody preached too long. So sorry about that. God bless you. You are dismissed.